Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today you will hear from Dr. Marissa Hake. She is a practicing veterinarian in the tri-state area focusing on veal calves, which is very cool. Also very jealous she gets to see the cute calves every day. Dr. Hake takes us through some misconceptions in the veal industry, as well as gives us an overview of what the typical life cycle looks like for a veal calf. So it is a very informative and great episode. I'm so excited for you to hear it. But before we get to today's episode, we are going to go over the review of the week. The review of the week comes from Natalie Kovarik, who is one of the lovely ranch wives that you would have heard on episode number 12. Natalie left a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, and it says, All the feels. Love tuning into this podcast. Not only does Caitlin find the most interesting women to interview, she also asks great questions and tells their stories in such a beautiful way. Thank you for bringing us a podcast meant for all women in agriculture. I can't wait to see who's up next. Well, thank you so much, Natalie. Your kind words and support always mean the world to me. And if you, like Natalie, are enjoying the Rural Woman podcast, please, please, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the show. And you may hear your kind words read on an upcoming episode. And if you have someone that you would like to hear on the Rural Woman podcast, or hey, maybe you want to be a guest on the Rural Woman podcast, you can head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. I have a application form that you can fill out either for yourself or you can nominate somebody to be on the show. I'm always looking for more suggestions of who you would like to hear from. And I also just want to give a big shout out to everybody over in the Rural Woman podcast community on Facebook. I am so happy that you have joined in on the fun and I just love connecting with all of you women. And I believe there's a token guy over there too. So if you're a man, we don't discriminate. You're more than welcome to join the Rural Woman podcast community over on Facebook. I'll leave the link in the show notes to join the Rural Woman podcast community over on Facebook. And without further ado, let's get to Dr. Marissa Hake. Hello, Dr. Hake. How are you? I'm great. How about you? I'm good. Can we call you Marissa or do we have to go with Dr. Hake? (laughs) No, definitely Marissa. I'm sure everybody makes that joke to you. (laughs) It's okay. I actually have this weird thing where my Amish guys, they don't call me Marissa or Dr. They just call me Hakes, plural. Okay. It happens all the time. So kind of just go by Hakes sometimes too. Well, there you go. We have all of the different names for you. (laughs) (laughs) So Marissa, for my listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you give us a little bit of a description of who you are and where you're from? Yes, I am a veterinarian and I work specifically with calves and even more specifically with veal calves. I grew up on the west side of the state of Michigan And I now live in Ohio with my husband, and I work mostly in Indiana, but some a little bit in Ohio and Michigan as well, so the tri-state area. And that, yeah, that's my elevator speech of who I am. So tell us how you 
came to be the vet you are today. Did you always want to be a veterinarian? Did you specifically want to be a veal vet? Tell us your veterinarian story. Yeah, I don't know anybody that wants to be a veal vet. <laughs> they kind of just <laughs> fell into this. There's not very many of us, but yeah, so I'll go back. So when I was younger, I've always wanted to be a vet. I have, I don't understand people that are like, oh, I'm just going to go to college and like figure out what I want to do. Like, it's always been my goal, you know, since I was a young age, but originally I wanted to go to be an equine vet. So I really liked horses. I try not to admit that to people very often, but I am a horse person. So that was kind of what spurred my interest. And then once I got into um, undergrad, I went to Michigan State. I just really fell in love with animal agriculture. I loved learning about farming and, and beef management and swine management. I, I just liked production medicine. And so that's kind of where I changed my shift, changed my goal to become a food animal veterinarian. And so then when I was in vet school, also at Michigan State, I really just had focused on food animal. I really liked dairy because Michigan's obviously a dairy rich state. So I had a lot of exposure to dairy. I wasn't opposed to swine. You know, poultry was cool. So I just kind of kept all of that open. And then on top of that, when I was doing my DVM at Michigan State, I also did a dual degree and did my master's in public health. So I also had this kind of food safety epidemiology training on top of my DVM. And so I really loved this idea of like a staff veterinarian or a company veterinarian, farm veterinarian, however you want to call it where that veterinarian is involved with the day-to-day management of a farm and they do training and they, you know, they're there all the time. They do nutrition work. And, and it was just this kind of more broad job for a veterinarian that I, I really enjoyed, you know, being able to follow things through and, and just be kind of one-on-one with staff. And so that was my goal upon graduating was to find a position in food and medicine as a staff veterinarian. But on the flip side of that, I always loved the Lee Youngstock side of dairying. I don't know. I just <laughs> just didn't want to like preg check cows for the rest of my life. As glamorous as it is, I just didn't really think that was for me. And so when this job opened, it was actually a really perfect fit. So it was a staff veterinarian for a calf company. And we kind of just checked each other's boxes off. And, and that's how I got here to be a, a veal veterinarian. Very cool. And I think you have probably the coolest vet job because you get to hang out with the cute calves all day. I know. It really is cool. It's like a pediatric bovine veterinarian. I dig it. I'm okay with it. (laughs) Right. Hey, all we'll get right back to our episode after a word from our sponsor. Nestled in the tree-filled mountains by Kootenai Lake in Nelson, British Columbia, KL Skin Naturals was founded in 2013 by owner Leah. KL Skin Naturals is known for their award-winning natural deodorant that I have personally been using since early 2017, and I can tell you from personal experience, it passes the farming test. You know what I'm talking about. I feel good knowing that the deodorant that I'm using is free from harsh chemicals and scents. All of their products are produced by hand from the very first measure to the very last label. Each recipe was worked, researched, perfected, and tested on family and friends who all agree that there's something unique to be offered in the effective products that Leah is making. Listeners of the Rural Woman podcast can save 10% off their order with promo code WILDROSE10. So head on over to klskindeodorant.com to choose from their wide selection of clean scented natural deodorants, plus other natural skincare products such as fresh aloe skin cream, foot butters, and more. And now back to our episode. So tell us what the typical life cycle is then for a veal calf. I know there's different 
rumors out there and there's different speculations of how a veal calf is treated and everything. I want you to debunk all of those right now and tell us what the typical life cycle is for a veal calf. Absolutely. Veal calves are, I think, the most misunderstood you know, sector of animal agriculture just because there's just so much misinformation out there about them. So my company and the companies I work for, we, we probably represent uh, about a third of the veal industry. So and I know the other big players. So what, the things I say today are are how veal is raised in the United States. So we get dairy bull calves from dairy farms. And so when a dairy cow has a calf, they can be one of two things. It can be a girl or a boy. And the girls obviously go back and, and be, go into the milking string. And then the boys can be pretty much three different things. So they can be breeding bulls, which are few and far between. They can be dairy beef steers, and then they can be veal bulls. And so I represent the very small portion that becomes veal bulls. We get them from the dairy about three to five days old, and we have a two-stage system. So the first barn they go to is our nursery stage, and that's where we keep them in pens where we can monitor their health and their individual care. And they're in those pens for about six to eight weeks. And then once they're immune systems are going and they're healthy and everything like that. Then we move them into group housing. And so about six to eight weeks, they're moving into group housing and depends on five to seven to nine, just depends on the barn. And then they're raised up to about six, 550 pounds is kind of where we're at right now. So that's kind of one of the biggest misconceptions is that veal is from baby calves and a baby calf is usually around 85, 90 pounds when they're born. And we market our calves at around 550 to 600 pounds. So they are definitely a lot bigger than what most people think. And then, like I think we talked about, is the other big misconception is the housing. So people, you know, have this 1980s view of a calf in a dark room in a crate. And for one, those are illegal in the United States. And for two, that's just not how we raise them. So I think being able to, you know, come on podcasts like this or use social media to show everyone how veal is being raised has been probably the most effective way. And I appreciate you having me on. So, Well, I have definitely learned a lot from you over the last few months that I've been following you about veal production because I was clueless to it. I didn't really know anything about it. All you would see on the internet are the terrible pictures that some people choose to share. And it didn't seem right to me. It's like, well, this is 2019. I don't think we're actually doing this anymore. So it's good to be able to connect with you to see what actually happens on a veal farm. And may I just say that the farms and the facilities that you work on are absolutely amazing. Like, I want to live in there. (laughs) Yes, they're so, I mean, some of our, like our new remodel facilities are absolutely gorgeous. And I have dairy farmers or calf ranches contact me all the time. Like we wish we had these, these facilities are amazing. So that makes us feel pretty good that we're, that was kind of our goal is to have facilities that were state of the art and that, you know, we're kind of ahead of the industry. And so I think we're accomplishing that right now. For sure. And what do you think some of the biggest challenges that you face in the veal industry are? Yeah, I mean, we were touched on once. So the misconception of just how it's raised and how old it is. And I have to do a lot of inter-ag communication because most people aren't exposed. So even people in ag don't understand how veal calves are raised. So, you know, a common thing will, someone will talk to a dairy farm and they say, what do you do with your calves? Do you do that a veal? And the dairy farm will be like, oh, no, 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 no. We would never sell to veal. 
well, that's just not fair, you know, because <laughs> they clearly do. And it's just because they, they don't know how it's raised. And so they have some misconceptions as well. So I think getting people in agriculture to support each other and understand each other has been a big challenge for me. So I always talk about this example. I, I went to one of our dairies that we pick up calves from and they said, oh, oh, our mom's coming. Don't tell her that we sell the veal. She doesn't know, you know, and it just like kind of set me back like, you should be proud of where your calves are going. And, and I want people to be proud to sell their calves to us. And so going back is just, you know, educating people and even within ag. So a lot of kind of preaching to the choir, but that's the biggest challenge. And then the other challenge is veal consumption in the United States is, is pretty low compared to Europe where it's more traditional. So there's been this generation that didn't eat veal and they don't know how to cook it. it they don't find it in their grocery store. So they don't have this exposure to it. And, and veal is an expensive meat. And so it's a financial investment to buy, you know, a nice veal chop or something like that. And if you don't feel comfortable cooking it or you've never had it, you know, you're just not going to do it. So it's getting consumers that want to try veal and are comfortable with cooking it as well. Right. What are some of your favorite veal recipes to eat? Oh, if you've never had a good veal chop, a veal chop is amazing. I mean, that's kind of a very special event kind of thing, an anniversary or something like that. But for me, like a nice, easy, low cost meal is I like to make veal meatballs. So really just like egg, breadcrumb, some seasoning and stuff like that and make just a nice little veal meatball in the oven. They're delicious. And that's kind of one of my favorite easy go-to recipes. I have to say I've never cooked veal, so knowing that it is kind of frightening to take that leap to be like, I'm going to buy this big giant chop and cook it. So I saw that you were exactly cooking chops for your anniversary the other week. So how <laughs> yeah, did they, they turned turn out, out great. I was good. really, they turned out great. I was really nervous about it, but they did. They turned out really good. And I was like, yes, win. <laughs> right. So Marissa, what made you decide that you wanted to be the face of veal online? Why did you start sharing your veal story? I didn't really make that decision. <laughs> so kind of how it happened is we had some bloggers come, like the farmer's wifey, mom at the meat counter. Oh, I'm going to miss the last one. Sorry. And they came and, and they were sharing about their experience in our veal farms. And a lot of people had questions that they just, they couldn't answer. Right. And so instead of having posting on my personal page, I started a business page to answer those questions on other people's blogs. And that's just, that's kind of how the accounts got started. And then I just, like I kept running into this where other people in ag didn't understand what we were doing or they didn't have any exposure to it. And so I just started slowly, you know, sharing some facts about veal and people were really, really interested and were really willing to, you know, oh, okay, that's not, why do you do this? Oh, okay. Like that makes sense. And so it's been a really good tool to communicate and I didn't, I didn't plan on it ever happening to me. And, but yet here I am on a on a podcast. So <laughs> sharing about veal. And, you know, I, I think for my company, it just, I'm, you know, the millennial with a phone and I know how other people communicate online. And so I guess it was kind of came natural too. Have you been loving the Rural Woman podcast? Are you wondering how you can support the show? Well, friend, I'm happy to announce that I've recently joined Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, it's a membership-based platform that provides a simple way for you to contribute to the Rural Woman podcast every month and get exclusive rewards in return. Memberships start as low as $2 a month. Seriously, that's less than your grande, skinny, extra hot caramel macchiato with whip. Wondering what the rewards are? Well, 
They include promo codes for Shop Wild Rose Farmer, draws for the Rural Woman Podcast merchandise, shout outs on the show, and more. Your financial support of the Rural Woman Podcast will help make it possible for the stories of women in agriculture to continue to be shared. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to find out more information about how you can become a patron through Patreon. So obviously with sharing online, there are the positives and also the negatives. And I feel like we need to touch on the negative part here for just a bit. How do you combat the haters online? So either the animal activist groups or the vegans or whatnot, I feel like they have a thing for you. And uh, Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> how do you combat the haters? <laughs> that's been a that's actually been kind of a uh, coming of age story for me. So when I I mean, I remember my first vegan attack and it was or activist attack online. It was it's like pretty soul crushing. Like you're all, you're kind of scared. Like you're scared for yourself. You're like, okay, what information do I have that out there about me publicly? Are they going to come to my house? Like, you know, they don't, they don't get out from behind the computer, but sometimes they do. And so it was very like nerve wracking. And, you know, I had some people, you know, handhold me along the way. <laughs> and so I've been trying to reach out now that I've kind of come full circle is, is pe- new people getting to this, like, okay, here's the tips, here's, you know, things you can do to help mitigate it. And I had a lot of people help me out with that, which I'm forever grateful for. And now I'm at the point where I feel comfortable enough. I know I'm not doing anything wrong. I know what I'm sharing is truthful. And I know I have a community that will back me. And so I'm at the point now where, you know, I just block and delete, move on, or I've actually, I'm starting to engage with them. Okay. You want this. Tell me how we're going to do it. Can you solve this for agriculture? Right? Because we're trying to do the best we can. Yes. You want every cow in the world outside on pasture. Tell me your manure management plan. Tell me where you're going to find the land base. And so it's just at the point where I'm sick of taking the crap. And if they want they want to come up with some answers, fantastic. But I think it goes back to solutions, not complaints. And my boss says it to me all the time, solutions, not complaints. And so I'm like, okay, what's your solution then? And so that's been kind of my full circle of being almost afraid to engage and afraid to, you know, post anything without being attacked. And now I'm kind of at the point where like, okay, I'm going to call you out on it then. So <laughs> yeah, that's been, been how I've kind of, how I deal with it now. Right. And good for you for calling it out and asking for the solutions versus just engaging with the trolls on the internet, because I feel like that's what they want. They want to make you angry or they want to make you upset. And so you'll stop sharing your story and stop sharing your truth to everybody online. And they'll just see their point of view versus the truth and what you're actually doing on your farm. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's sometimes they do some low blows. I mean, they stole my maternity pictures and made it into a vegan propaganda picture. And it's just like they know no bounds sometimes. And I know they only represent a very small portion, but they feel like they can really personally attack you as a person. And it definitely I would say if you're just starting online and you're dealing with some of these things, you can't take it personally because you got to take the higher ground. And that's, uh, I guess that's all I can say. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I don't have a lot of animal egg experience, just my two years under my belt. But even last year, I remember when I shared about my meat goats going to auction and they'd be sold off for meat. It was like traumatizing to some people. And it's like, I didn't keep these things for pets. They're a commodity that feed a family. So that's my job. 
And uh, yeah, it could be it can be a touchy subject for some people, but I think you're doing a great job of sharing what your story is and how these animals are actually treated. And it has been a pleasure getting to see the veal industry from your standpoint. So I thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Marissa, what do you think is the most rewarding part for you being a veterinarian? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I enjoy being on the farm. I enjoy working with farmers. That was what kind of drew me to production animal medicine and food animal medicine was being out on the farm every day and being an asset to farmers who work really hard to supply, you know, a nutritious and safe food supply for the world. And I love being able to be an asset or to be able to help them do that. And I obviously looking at cute calves every day, like is a pretty good perk too. But those are my two favorite things. <laughs> That's the part I'm most jealous of you of is, <laughs> is the calves all day, every day. <laughs> it can be a blessing and a curse. That's for sure. For sure. I'd probably try and bring them all home with me. So that would be the curse. My, <laughs> my husband would kill me. <laughs> So Marissa, where can the listeners connect with you after the show? Yeah, I am on Facebook as at CAFET and it's Dr. Kate Hake CAFET. And I am on Instagram at at VealVet, V-E-A-L-V-E-T. There's a couple other websites. If you're interested in about how veal is raised, veal recipes or anything like that, vealfarm.com and americanveal.com are two other great resources. Awesome. And I will put all of those in the show notes, including where they can connect with you so they can stay in touch with you online. And if they have any questions, they can direct them to you. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Hey, have you been over to shop Wild Rose Farmer lately? There are so many new great t-shirts, tank tops, stickers, and more. There's even official Rural Woman podcast gear now, including great t-shirts and hats. Feel good knowing when you're shopping on Shop Wild Rose Farmer, you directly support the Rural Woman podcast. And don't forget, members of the Wild Rose Farmer community save 20% off their first purchase. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for all of the details. And happy shopping, y'all! Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.